You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderlin, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Hey, you may be seated. Do want to say welcome to you and a happy Resurrection Day. And I'm excited that uh, you've chosen this morning to worship God and to be with us. And uh, it's great to see a lot of old friends and uh, see some new friends. Kind of our middle section, we've got kind of new ministry that I met and got some young adults from all over the country. So we're glad you guys are here. And they let me just politely have fun and make fun of them. You know, I told them it's a rough day when you decide to go to church at Easter. One of the pastors is just poking at you right off the bat like, wow, what did I do wrong? So uh, if you uh, do know me, I love to play and tease and that's kind of my love language. That's the way we roll. So pray for my wife and my kids. So uh, regardless, it's just really good to see you guys. I don't know if you know about this. There is a a race, a running race that's held every year in Jamaica, Queens. And it is called the the Self-Transcendentalist 3100. And the participants run over the course of 52 days, they run 3,100 miles. Now the kicker of this, it's crazy, is they run the same lap around a city block in Queens. They literally will do 110 to 120 laps a day. It's about a little over half a mile. And so by the time they're done, they have to run this race in 52 days. Could you imagine 52 days getting up and doing 110 laps around the exact same city block, stepping over every crack that you had seen the time before. I mean, it's just insane. It's just absolutely nuts. I think the fastest that anybody's done it is something like a little over 40 days. Last year was their 25th year of doing this. So that's not my idea of fun. You know, running 3,000 miles in less than two months' time Every day they're running, I don't know, what's, somebody do the math, like 60 miles, 50, 60 miles a day, 52 days in a row, the toll that that takes on your body on concrete. If you're a runner, you know it's a lot softer to run on dirt than concrete and pavement's even better. But the mental mind-numbingness of just half a mile, one lap, Half a mile, two laps. Half a mile, three laps. Half a mile, day after day after day. And it's a a test of mind and body and, and all of that. I want to talk to you this morning about what it means for you and for me to run the race that we have before each of us. Our life is not completely unlike that. We sometimes are going through the challenges and the difficulties, and I can imagine there are days those participants get up and they're like, we don't want to do this again. In fact, I was wondering, I'm like, how many people actually do that? Is there like a pack, you know? Are they like running the streets and people are jumping? You know how many people did it last year? Seven. (laughs) Not 700, seven. So there are seven crazy, insane people apparently in this world that I don't even know how you take two months off of work. They must be independently wealthy or whatever, but sometimes our life is like that. We have a long road in front of us. We've got a a long way in front of us. Sometimes we feel like we're in the middle of day 40 and we're just like, can I get off of this Lap. I don't even know how I started this race. I'm not even sure where I am. I'm not, I don't even know where this thing exactly is going. 
but we all are on that race. So this morning, whether or not you, wherever you might be spiritually in your life, if you're like, yeah, I don't believe in God, or you're like, yeah, I don't know where I am with Christianity. I don't even know. I'm not sure where I am with church. Some of you have known, and as Dan uh, shared earlier, some of you have been following Jesus for a long time in your life. Some of you are kind of kicking the tires trying to figure what that's all like. Some of you are like, I don't know. I just know there's something that I need in my life because life is not working, and I don't have it figured out. But regardless of what your faith and what your background is, well, the one thing that we all have in common is we are all running in that race. We're all running in a race that's in front of us. And if we're being really honest with ourselves, regardless of what you believe about the world around you, much of the race that you're running is not even of your own choice. You didn't choose to be born. You didn't choose when you were born. You didn't choose to whom you were born. You didn't choose most of the stuff that's going on in your life. And yet here you are. And you have to figure it out and make the best of it. And even as we go back with our childhood, as so many of the things that we experience and so many things even today as adults go through life, the choice of others are affecting us. And we're walking through that and we're stuck. And we don't know what in the world that we're doing and exactly how we're going to run forward. I want to talk to you about that kind of race and about the race that God has in front of you and how you can run that well. So turn your Bible, if you have one, to Hebrews chapter 12. If you don't have one in front of you, it's going to be on the screen. We're going to look at just two simple verses this morning. Two verses. The Bible says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, I'll explain a lot of these pieces as we go along, but since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him, He ran a race as well, for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated, right now today, who is alive, is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This, is, this morning is the last of a series that we've been going through as a church. If you have not uh, been here recently or this is your first time, we've been going through a series that we're calling Spiritual Tune-Up. It's just coming with all of the challenges in life and all of the things that we have faced and individual stuff layered into it, all the, the, the health and medical stuff layered into it, all the politics and stuff that we've been going on through the past year, just felt like as a church that we needed a spiritual tune-up in our, in our life. And so we talked three or four weeks ago about what it means to truly trust God in every step of your life kind of going back to the basics of what it means to really be a follower of Jesus Christ and how do, we, how do we do that well and how do we, on a day in and day out basis, run through those obstacles of life. And so a big piece of it is just trusting God today. Day after day, trusting God. And then we talked about what it meant to live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, walk with a, in a way that's just not yourself, 
running your own race, but recognizing God and, and, and living a life with Him in, in your life is a part of that. You see, we are all spiritual souls. They're, you know, we're not a body that has a soul. We're actually a soul that has a body. Our, at our core being, we're a spiritual soul being. That's why the vast majority of the world is religious. I think there's only atheism. I think it's only like 7% of the world because the world, we as people... Regardless of what your background is, we recognize there is something more going on inside of us. We're more than just the, the compilation of our physical bodies, our thinking, our brain waves, and even the emotions inside of us. There's something else happening. And so that big piece is that, that God wants to save us and know us and to live that life spiritually with Him. And then we talked about what it meant, means as followers of Jesus to prioritize His kingdom. There's too many people in our world that are living for themselves and doing their own thing. And we as Christians, if we're being really honest with ourselves, we prefer that and to do that. But Jesus told us to seek His kingdom first, that we should be all about that. And then we talked last week about loving God and loving people. Everything that we do in our life, in every moment, every decision, every thought, every action, should be really the fruit and a focus of simply are we loving God and are we loving people. So those are kind of the, the components, if you will, of what it means to follow Jesus in, in our life, what that, what's He's expected of us. He's not looking for our religion per se. He's not looking for us to do a list of do's and don'ts. He's looking for our heart and our life with Him and those things. And this morning, what I want us to recognize is to kind of the, the capstone piece of it is that that's what our life should be like, and we're to endure in that life for our whole life, that we're to run that race well, that we're to do that really well. So I want you to notice three things this morning out of this passage, that we are to run with a predetermination in our mind and our heart. Paul, our, Paul most likely wrote the book of Hebrews. We don't know exactly who did, but he said, but it was inspired by God himself. But he says, he says, let us run with endurance. The race that is set before us. Let us run that race with an endurance in our mind that we are not in a sprint, we're in a long haul, mile after mile after mile, and it is a race that is set before us. That is a there's a predetermination for those in the room that are followers of Jesus. We recognize that there is a God in this world who is superintending and working in this world, and He lays a race out in front of us, and He expects us to run in that race. See, there's a lot of people in the world trying to run the race of their own making, trying to run the race of their own race. And what the Bible's telling us is that, that God really is the one that lays out before us the pathway. He's the one that, that lays out our life out in front of us and where we're headed. You know, as, you, as each person grows older and older in life, you look back and you're like, well, I didn't see that coming. There's a turn in there I didn't expect. Well, I didn't know that was going to come. I didn't realize that bus was going to run over me on that day. I didn't realize this good thing was going to happen to me on this day. We look back, and as you get older in life, you look back and you just think, wow, I had no clue that all of these different things would happen. Some are good, some are not so good, some are really bad, some are like, I don't know. But it's a compilation in our life. 
And as followers of Jesus, we recognize that our life is not hopeless, it's not meaningless, it's not, it's not just happenstance drifting and bouncing through life, but there's a God in heaven who says, I've got a course set out before you. And in the middle of that, there's some boundaries that I'm going to keep from happening to you. That even though you might go through some difficult things that I'm kind of holding back the dam of the bad stuff, some of the bad stuff that could have happened to you that you're clueless about, but I need you, I want you to run that race, a course that's set before you. Too many of us try to run a race of our own making. We treat God like almost like He's a Santa Claus or the you know, a magic genie or the, that we just kind of do something for so we can kind of get a little prize you know, afterwards to get Him to do our thing. And the Bible says, no, we're to be doing His thing. Neither do we run the race of other people. Too often, we're just trying to run a race that somebody else has set for us. And as followers of Jesus, we're to run the race that God sets before us. Now, I alluded to it earlier when I read it, but the reason that we run is because Jesus first ran His race. You see, the Bible, when it talks about here something that is set before us, we have a race laid out before us. When we receive Jesus as Lord of our life and we surrender our life to Him, that's the beginning of the race that we then begin taking off and living a life that we follow Him spiritually and, and in every area of our life. But Jesus first ran. He ran His race first, and because He ran, we also can run. Because as we run our race, I'll talk more of it in a minute, but we look to Jesus in verse 2, who's the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. Those two things should not be in the same sentence, let alone the same clause together. Joy and cross. If we were to go back and unpack what the cross was all about in the Roman times, joy was never in that picture. The cross was invented by people who wanted to have a death penalty to send a message to the world that you don't mess with Rome. They had, there are far quicker ways, far more efficient ways, far more humane ways to put someone to death, to execute them for a crime. The cross were, where the cross was, post was put into the ground and people were stood up to hang there literally for days so that everybody that walked by and they would naturally put them on the highway. It would be like you driving to Syracuse and all of a sudden seeing cross after cross after cross and people hanging there. And it was a message to the world that you don't mess with Rome. You don't cross Caesar. You, don't, you get in line because you could end up on that cross. And people died not because of blood loss. They died because of asphyxiation. Let's try to say that fast five times. Asphyxiation. Not able to breathe. And ultimately, eventually, their breathing would get shallow enough and soldiers would finally break their legs so they could, to breathe, they would have to kind of stand up on those nails and sit back and kind of do this day after day, no relief, until finally their bodies would just give out and they would would die and pass. You see, that was the race that just as in the video that we showed that Jesus knew was in front of Him. And He came to this earth and He lived a perfect life knowing that His mission was to pay the price of your sins and mine. And He did it because at the end of that, 
was a joy. He did it because he knew there was a joy in his heart of redeeming people, that he could give grace to us, that we don't deserve it, but that through his death that we could be forgiven of all the things that we've done wrong. You know, there's much in our life that we do wrong that we blow by and we don't even realize it. We don't even give it a second thought because we've done it so often that we don't even think of it as, as wrong. But each one of us has some things in our past that when we stop and think about it, we really regret. Like, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I don't know what I was thinking. Why did I do that? And what Jesus did is He paid for that. And he took that shame off of us and put it on himself. That for the joy he endured the cross, despising the shame, not liking it. It was not a joy for him to experience what it, the shame that we have. We don't like shame in our world today. It's almost become a bad word, almost something that's wrong. But can I just say, when you do something shameful, you ought to be ashamed. I hope you feel ashamed. Actually, shame is good. It's God inside of you telling you, yeah, don't do that. That's a really bad thing. And yeah, you did do that. And so because you have shame, you need forgiveness. Now, the problem in the world is, is we try to get forgiveness and make up for it in all kinds of ways. But God says, come to me and I'll remove that shame because I took it for you on the cross. I took that bullet for you. I hung there instead of you. And I did it because I love you. And I did it joyfully so that you could have freedom and forgiveness. That's the race that our Lord Jesus ran. And as He died, He hung, he hung there and He was then taken down from the cross and He was laid in that tomb for three days. And uh, Hebrews alludes to that. He rose again because you see, He's no longer dead he is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God in verse 2. That Jesus died a criminal, died the sinner's death that you and I earned, so that you and I could receive Him by faith and by surrendering our life to Him and be forgiven of our sins and have freedom. Freedom from guilt. Freedom from shame. Freedom from not bondage to sin. That chains could be broken from the stuff that we do that we don't want to do. And Jesus broke all of that, and He sits on the right hand of the throne of God, a place of position, back to the glory and authority. And so that today we celebrate that our Lord Jesus is not just uh, you know, living around someplace, but He's on the throne in heaven. You know, Not only should we not see Jesus hanging on the cross today, but we really shouldn't even see just the empty tomb. We actually need to see Him one step beyond that, seated on a throne seating at the right hand of God the Father today, ruling and reigning. And the Bible says He's even there praying and ministering and, and serving on our behalf as followers of Jesus even to this day. So we run because He ran. The second thing I want you to notice is not only do we run with a predetermination, but we run with preparation. The Bible says this in verse 1, one that we are to lay aside, let us lay aside every weight, in the sin which clings so closely. Seven or eight years ago, uh, my two oldest sons and I hiked the Northville Placid Trail. 
And uh, it's a trail that goes, as you can imagine, from Northville, <laughs> New York, up through the Adirondacks to uh, Lake Placid. And it's, uh, it's over 120 miles, close, I think it's like a, close to 130 miles. And so, because I do things backwards, I, we started in Lake Placid and we went to Northville. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, psychologically, this is going to get hard. It took us two weeks, 13 days to do it. I wanted to be able every morning to know we're getting a little closer to home. You know, I didn't want to think I'm getting farther away, like, oh my goodness, we got to turn around. You know, I'm, I'm just keep going home. And, uh, and when you are going to hike and camp and all of that for two weeks straight, and you're carrying everything that you need like a turtle kind of on your back, I mean, pretty quickly you're like, yeah, I don't need that. Yeah, I really don't need that. I mean, you are getting it as lean and as mean as possible. Some people that really do this are crazy. They'll cut like the ends of the toothbrushes off. You know, they're like micro ounce. I'm not crazy like that. You know, I'm just like, okay, I think I can handle an extra pound. I mean, I'm carrying them already a little bit. So you just, you take all, everything off that you can, unless it's just very essential. Every athlete whether it's the Winter Olympics, Summer Olympics, when you see them, they're not running along carrying an extra mini fridge, you know, under their, their arm. I mean, they're just lean and mean. Anything that would distract them, that would slow them down, that would trip them up so that they can run the race well. Here's the thing. For you and I as followers of Jesus, there's a predetermined course that our Lord sets in front of us. That should give us a confidence and a boldness that even though it's hard, that God's in this, and God will take care of us and guide us along the way. But we got uh, some responsibility in the middle of this, and we need to put some weight aside. You see, a weight is anything that's going to distract you or slow you down from running your race. Anything that, that trips you up. Everybody that's, anybody that's ever coached baseball with little league kids, I mean the little guys, know that you have to get their attention span on the ball because... I mean, they can sit out in outfield and start playing and counting butterflies and looking at everything under the sun and picking the grass, you know, picking their nose or whatever funny thing and, and distractions. And you and I as adults, we get that way in life too. My younger, we have our younger kids in the room and I think it's good for our young kids. I'm so glad you guys join us a couple times a year because mom and dad, we want them to be adults. We want them to know what big church is like. And so... Uh, as we, we let so many things distract us in life to get our focus over here. And the Bible says, make sure you're laying that stuff aside. It's not that those things are bad. It's not that they're wrong. I, I like refrigerators, but I can't carry it with me on my back. I, I like my bed. I sure missed it for those two weeks, but I couldn't carry it. And you and I need to lay aside every weight as we run our race and make sure that we're not getting distracted in the things of life. There's all kinds of movements and things that people put into their life that they live for and identities they take on. And God's like, yeah, that's a distraction. It's going to slow you down. You're trying to be this and this and this, and you really should be running your race of what I've called you to, not your own doing. And he says, lay, those, lay that weight aside. So my challenge to you this morning is, is, are you running the race? Have you received Jesus as Lord of your life and surrendered to Him, experiencing His grace and forgiveness of all of your sin? The Christian gospel is the only religion in the world where our God died for us. 
Every other one is trying to figure out how to fix the brokenness in our heart and our world and our sin and overcome shame and guilt ourselves. And the reality is, is we can't. But Jesus died, came and died for us. And the, the Christian gospel, the Christian good news is that message. And so we begin to run that race when we receive Him as Lord of our life. But He tells us as we run that race to lay aside all those distractions, to lay them aside and to lay aside the sin that, that so closely clings to us and trips us up. Picture you know, running with stuff hanging around and fringe things that are going to trip you and make you fall. You don't, you don't run when sin is clinging to you. You know, those young parents in the room, if you've got a young one, you know, try to run your race with your kids sitting on your foot. You know, dads, every dad's done this, and, the, you know, the kid holding on. Try to go out and run and see how well that works for you. You might be good to run across the living room, you know, or to play in the kitchen, but that's what sin does is it clings to us, and it trips us, and we fall. And so the Bible says, lay it aside. The reason that we can lay it aside as followers of Jesus is because Jesus paid the price for us. Until we receive Jesus as Lord of our life, that sin clings to us, and we can't get that monkey off our back, and we can't get freed of it. Only, only Jesus is the one who can do that. And when we receive Him and surrender our life to Him as Lord of our life, He breaks that bondage, He breaks the, the chain, if you will, that keeps that sin there, and then he tells us, his followers, is to lay that stuff aside and run your race that I've got before you. Third thing I want you to recognize, not only the predetermination, not only the preparation, but to run our race well, there's going to be some perspiration. Most of us in the room don't want to work at it. Let's just be honest. How, how many of you, I'll ask this, how many of you regularly exercise, like at least legit, two or three times a week? Yeah, that's like not even a quarter, maybe 20%. And some of you are probably lying a little bit. The other 80% are honest. You know, yeah, I'm not putting my hands up. Some of you are a little suspect. Some of you I know, like, yeah, legit, your hands should be up there. Some of you are like, well, I just started that last month, so I get to put my hand up, you know. I'm in the not every, you know, two or three days a week. It's, and the whole reason we don't exercise is because of the work, right? The perspiration of it. Well, I don't have time. Well, yeah, we all do have time. We have time for what our priorities are. Most of us do. So Jesus says, run your race. Run it. You and I have to do that. Nobody else can do it for us. Jesus does all the heavy lifting for us. He died for us to break our sin, their, their sin chains to us. He, he modeled that. He lived that. He was the sacrifice for our sins. But He still says, you're going to have to run a race. You're going to have to break a sweat. You're going to have to work at this. This is going to be something that you absolutely have to do. You can't do this accidentally. I think, I think I've used this analogy a lot, but it's real. You just don't accidentally work out. It's not... Nobody just finds themselves in the middle of running 5,649 laps around a city block in, in Queens, New York, 52 days, you know? That just nobody accidentally does that unless they need some serious medication or something. So, but he tells us to 
break a sweat and to work at it, to perspire, to run the race that He set before us, to help us as followers of Jesus. I mean, we need to all recognize it's hard. It's not easy to live life, right? Life is filled with some real obstacles. It's more than a marathon. It's more than an ultra-marathon. It's like this kind of thing. It's even like a steeplechase. If you know in athletics, a steeplechase, I guess it was started in Ireland that people would run from steeple to steeple, town to town. So they would jump over whatever rock wall and every little river and everything along the way. And it was kind of an endurance thing. And now, you know, there's horses, there's those kinds of things, and running as well. Our life is like a combination of ultra marathons and steeplechase all together. There's obstacles that we got to get over and stuff that we got to do and work through. And why do I have to do that? And I, all of that. And Jesus says, I know, but that's the race and you've got to run it. So how do you do that well as a follower of Jesus? I want us to notice there's some encouragement. Look at verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. What he's trying to put us into memory is, is the old school, I mean really old school Olympic Games and the Gladiator Games, all of it. The Colosseums, and if you've seen any of the history of the, the Roman Colosseums, just thousands of people can watch the games there. And the picture is that you and I are running the race in front of us. And we're not running alone. We have to run our own race. But we're surrounded by people cheering us on. And in chapter 11, the Bible talks about as all of these people who have run their race before us, like Moses and David and Elijah and all, just Abraham, all of these people, amazing men and women of the faith who've run their, their life doing the things that we talked about, trusting God, living their life fully for His kingdom, loving God and loving people. And they're there genuinely cheering us on. That's what this picture is, is that they're cheering us as we run the race in front of us. Just as any spectator at any of, the, any of these events has people that are just clapping for them, way to go. And, you know, we all, I don't know how you roll, but when somebody cheers you on, encourages you, don't you kind of pick yourself up a little bit more? Don't you kind of stand a little straighter? You take a little another step, it puts a little pep in your step because you've got it. You're doing a great job. And we look at them and they're testifying, they're witnesses to us running the race that's in front of us. But not only that, if you look closely, he says, let us run our race. Plural, us. While we don't run somebody else's race, Mom and dad, don't run your kids' race. Let them be their person. They need to run their race in life as hard as that is. But we don't run alone. We run as a pack. As followers of Jesus, we run together. You see, that's what a church family is to be. We're to look over and like, he's running well. She's running well. Look at them go. They're working hard. I guess I need to keep on and I can keep going too. And we run together, picking each other up, encouraging each other along the way, that we run that race with all of the challenges and all the difficulties in life. 
The reason why Resurrection Sunday, the day our Lord rose from the dead, this morning, 2,000 years ago, is so powerful to us is we're forgiven of our sin individually, but it's what gives us hope and victory. That Jesus ran His race, He sits on high, and we run our race not just head hanging down and, oh my goodness, this is so hard. Yes, it is. But there's a, a promise of victory in all of that, that no matter how difficult the challenge is, no matter how bleak the situation is, no matter how hard the thing is, is that our Lord has saved us, He's forgiven us when we surrender our life to Him, and He's got it all worked out, and we keep our eye there, and we were running together, encouraging and helping one another to run that race of trusting Him, walking and living in His Spirit, loving people and loving God and prioritizing His kingdom agenda, not ours, but we have an encouragement. We also have a purpose in that. Notice that He says we're to look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. You see, it's, He's the founder of our faith because He's the one who died for us and rose again, and we put our faith, our surrendered trust into Him as Lord, and that's the faith that we have. That's the the, the life that He gives us through Jesus, but then He perfects that. You see, as we run our race through life, it's not just willy-nilly, just happenstance, just, just for no reason. We struggle to know what all those reasons are, and we kind of want to know the reasons. Every parent that's ever had a kid knows this. Like, well, why do I have to do that? And then you try to explain that. Well, why that? And you try to explain that, and you're like, for a while, like, I'm out of wise, kid. Like, this is just, you know, the way this is going to work. And we, we are obsessed with the wise as people. We are that way as adults. And we don't always know the why when it comes to God and how these things unfold in the race. We struggle with that. But one of the purposes, one of the whys that are in there to help you if you're going through a difficult, challenging time right now is what the Lord Jesus is trying to do is to perfect your faith. He's trying to finish it. You see, when you trusted Him, those of you that are a follower of Jesus, when you surrendered your life to Him, that's the foundation, the beginning of your faith. And Jesus, like a master painter, is trying to finish that masterpiece in your life. And as you're jumping through obstacles and running through some difficult things and running through the night, in the middle of the night, and you're like, why am I doing this? There's multiple answers to that why, but one that's clear, and some will know, some won't know, but one that is clear is what He's trying to do is to perfect His work inside of you. He's trying to make you a better follower. He's trying to fix some things that are broken inside of you. He's trying to heal some things in your family. He's trying to work through some things. And using the medical analogy, when the doctor goes to fit, work on you, to fix stuff, it's never pleasant, right? Surgery's never pleasant. Dislo replacing dislocated shoulders and elbows is never, never pleasant. I mean, the dentist isn't pleasant when they're fixing cavities. There's no fixing something in your physical body that's messed up that's a good time. <laughs> you know, I'm going on vacation. What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to go to the dentist every day. It's a blast. I'm looking forward to it. Like, nobody says that ever. Likewise, our soul is messed up, and God is perfecting it. And it's painful, and it's hard, but in the end, it's far better. In the end, He's restoring us back to the way He designed us. So there's an encouragement, there's a purpose along the way, and there's a, 
a direction, if you will. I'm going to finish with this. Kids, you've been phenomenal this morning, and I'm amazed. You're better than I was at your age. My strategy when I was little, true story, grew up going to church, I would just, this would, I would run out here. I would count the lights and all the, the chandeliers, and there would be like hundreds, and it just kind of kept the time rolling along. So that's just little kids' brains. You know, you got to do stuff. So that kind of kept me quiet in the seat. And uh, anyway, I didn't plan on sharing that. I'm just telling them myself. <laughs> so you kids truly are unbelievable this morning. So as we run, so it keeps us rolling, even though we know we get encouragement and even though we have a purpose, what really keeps us rolling is verse 2. Looking to Jesus. We look to Jesus. My whole goal with this series of spiritual tune-up, if I could put it into one phrase, it would be this. Folks, let's look to Jesus. We get dry spiritually as followers of Jesus when we stop looking to Him. We get cranky. We lose focus. We start sleeping in spiritually. We don't want to get up and do anything. You know, when my boys and I were hiking that trail, 13 days it took us through the woods, and there were some spots where, like, if we had problems, we were a couple of days from a road to get out. Next morning, guess what? Like, we couldn't have days where we're just like, you know, let's just sleep in, watch a little TV. It's like, we got to get up and get moving. Because we knew what was in front of us, that just we're headed home. You and I can pick, get up the next day and take that next step because we look to Jesus. He's the one that we look to for direction in our life. When we get much like driving, like, am I supposed to go left here, God? Am I supposed to go right? Am I going straight? Like, What's going on? We look to Jesus. And He's the one who guides us. He's the one that gives us hope. He's the one that says, I made it through far worse than you will ever make it. I don't care how difficult any of our lives are. None of us, when you follow and know Jesus, are paying for our own sin or the sins of the world. And yet He did it ultimately and made it with joy. And He's turning around and helping us to go that same direction in life. And so we look to Him. We keep our eye there. It's when we take our eyes off of Jesus that we get distracted or we get lazy or we get selfish or whatever and we stop running. Some of you this morning, you have been a follower for, you are a follower of Jesus but you've gotten your eye off of Jesus and you know, and He's kind of speaking to your heart even now and He's like, yep, you've been kind of taking it easy and not running from Me. You've kind of gotten off on your own race. If that's where you are this morning, you need to say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. I want to pursue and follow You. I want to, I want to get back to that. And it's as simple as getting off that detour and saying, I'm following You. Some of you have been running for a long time and your tongue's hanging out. You're tired. The good thing is, is that when you keep your eye on the Lord Jesus, He knows when you need a break. You can't run 24-7. He will build those in for you into your life in small ways and in big ways. And it's okay. We do need rest spiritually and all of that. It's kind of really what Sundays are about, to rest spiritually. But we, we're to look to Him. We're to keep our eye on Him, to 
You can't do that, by the way, unless you're really reading His Word regularly, like paying attention to what He's saying. Just like the coach. The athlete looks to the coach. What's going on? What do I need to know? And Jesus is our coach, and we listen to Him. You can't look to Him unless you're spending some time on quietly. We're all too... We have too much noise in our life, folks. I'm not saying we need to all live like monks and just, you know put on a robe, go live in a little room with a bed and a table and a little lamp, and that's it in life. But we all need some time where we've got a little solitude, at least a few minutes every day where we just sit back and capture our thoughts and bring them to God and let God speak into us and listen to His Word. And some are like, oh, Sean, it'll be wonderful. I can't. There are moments, there are seasons in your life where you can't do that well, and I get that. I've been there too. But 90% of our life, we can do that. It's a priority of choices in our life. And so some of you this morning, you've allowed the noise to come in. And you need to put the phone down for a period of time. Put some of the other stuff down, the distractions, and zero in. Say, God, what are you trying to say to me? You need to go back to looking to Jesus. Some of you this morning, maybe you've been thinking about You've been hearing about Jesus. You've grown up going to church. You know what this is the message of Easter is all about, but you've never really surrendered your life to Jesus. I can't think of a better day than today for you to take that final step of faith, or that really that first step of faith, but to finally take that first step than the day our Lord rose from the dead. And you need to just simply say, Lord Jesus, I get it. You want my everything. You don't want my religion. You don't just want my prayers or my habits or the things I do. You want me. And you want me to trust that you died and that's all that I need is what you did for me. Some of you need to just simply say yes to Jesus and to nail that down and say, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. You're in charge. And I trust you to forgive me of my sin. I want to be free to that. I don't want that shame. Thank you that you took that from me. Some of you need to make that commitment this morning. Some of you are maybe for the first time hearing about Jesus, maybe even first time in church. Maybe the thing that you need to think about is, God, I'm really not sure if you're there. And I, if that's where you are, then I would encourage you to say something like this, God, I really don't know if I believe in you if you're real. But if you are, I'm open. Would you help me? As weird as that might be or feel to you, to open your heart that the reality that there's a God in heaven that could love you, and that can make sense of this crazy world that you're in, that could begin put healing and hope into your heart and soul through Jesus, to just say, God, I'd like to, I'm open. I'd like to know more about that. But whatever you feel like God is speaking into you today, would you make that commitment simply where you are? Only He and you will know that. Now, you might want to tell somebody else, and I think that would be really cool to do that. But take that step this morning to wherever you are to say thank you to Him, to be grateful, but whatever you're celebrating, whatever God is using this message to respond to, you, to Him today. So our team is going to come up and we're going to sing one more song. I'm going to pray, but this song and my prayer in just these few moments is just your chance for that 
If you can, a little bit of that solitude between you and God to respond to him today. Pray with me, would you? Lord, I thank you for the Easter story that our Lord Jesus, who did no wrong, thought nothing that was inappropriate, wished no harm to anyone, said nothing to wound or damage, did nothing physically with his hands or body uh, to bring anything upon anyone. But he lived perfectly and innocently as the God-man on this earth and who alone was qualified to pay the price for our sins because he alone was sinless. Lord, thank you that he died on the cross and he took that shame and guilt from us. And he did it because he loved us with joy in his heart and in the future. And Father, whatever you've spoken into our hearts today, we commit those to you. I, I pray, Lord, your blessing upon each and every single person here. Not that they would just have a good life, but Lord, I pray much more than that, that they would have a holy life, a life that they might know you and might have eternal life and to live it abundantly. Lord, help us each to run the race and to run it well that's in front of us. I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. 